Section 84, we've been looking forward to this. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Uh, blessings of the priesthood, Oath Temple. and Covenant. Yeah, a lot yeah. of good stuff. Uh, so welcome. Before we get into our discussion, should we follow up on what we read? Let's do it. So today we're talking about Doctrine and Covenant, Section 84. Uh, in this section, elders begin to return from their missions. Uh, the Lord reminds us of sacred keys of ministering, of ordinances, of the knowledge of God. Uh, and we're told that in the ordinances of the priesthood, the power of godliness is manifest. We're also talking about the responsibilities of being clean, of preaching the gospel, of living by the word of God, and being united. We're also going to see the blessings associated with the priesthood. So we're going to focus our discussion on two specific topics today, uh, the blessings of the priesthood and this question of what exactly is the oath and covenant of the priesthood. So in order to help us to dive deeper into section 84 today and have an incredible discussion, we've invited our wonderful friend, Sharon Eubank. Sharon, will you join us up here? I'm so happy. I'm so happy to come. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. Mostly because I admire the two of you so much. Oh, thank you. Oh, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very kind. That's kind of you. Yes. <laughs> So Sharon, again, thank you so much. Sharon, you are currently serving as the first counselor in the General Relief Society Presidency. That's right. Did I say it right? You did. That okay. was very good. Thank you. You're also the president of Latter-day Saint Charities. And maybe, actually, why don't, just right now, can you just tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, Latter-day Saint Charities is the humanitarian work of the Latter-day Saints themselves, the collective work. So I have the best job in the world because I get to go and represent all of you who donate to the humanitarian fund and and try and help people who need help all around the world. So Sharon, you, you love history, you love pie, you love crosswords, and you really understand the importance of serving others and recognize it as the DNA of one who is a member of Christ Church. Uh, to me, that's the essence of the gospel. Yeah. Excellent, thank you. That's fantastic, thank you, Sharon. So before we get into our discussion, I'm wondering, was there anything in this section that you found especially meaningful or significant or maybe something we need to know going into it to understand it better? I really love you gave a good historical background of, because the elders were coming back, you know, from mm. their missions. And it reminded me in the New Testament when the 70 came back mm -hmm. and Jesus was asking them to report. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. And, yeah. and there's that sort of euphoria of this. But it was in 1832 and there's this beautiful, dense revelation on priesthood and I thought and it's about temple and all these things they don't have a temple they just barely got the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood I really feel like the church didn't know what to do with this section mm -hmm. and I think that's indicative of of how we are now this restoration is ongoing mm -hmm. and we're still using and learning the things that will be used in the future I'm not sure that we fully understand mm -hmm. DNC 84 and so for us to talk about it today is a real blessing Excellent. So let's maybe jump right into it then and talk a little bit about the, the blessings of the priesthood. Sharon, you gave us a little bit of historical context. You mentioned, okay, we're in 1832, September. Many of the elders are returning from their missions and reporting. Uh, they're coming from the eastern states, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so Joseph Smith uh, receives a revelation, and here we have themes relating to New Jerusalem, gathering of Israel, and in, in some sense anticipates the founding of, of a temple. Absolutely. In verse... Two, we were talking about New Jerusalem, Mount Zion, but then specifically in verse three, which city shall be built beginning at the temple lot, which is appointed by the finger of the Lord in the western boundaries of the state of Missouri. And then you see verse four, verily this is the word of the Lord, the city of New Jerusalem shall be built by the gathering of the saints beginning at this place, 
even the place of the temple, which temple shall be reared in this generation. And then verse five, for verily this generation shall not all pass away until an house shall be built unto the Lord. And again, Lord, which shall fill this house. So we're talking temple here. We're talking about entering into an order of the priesthood and we're talking about a temple type situation, which is extremely important and, and requires looking at things through, through temple eyes. So maybe we can start by just maybe putting up some of the blessings of the priesthood that are spoken of in, in Doctrine and Covenants 84. Um, so keys of ministering of the kingdom, the knowledge of God, uh, ministering of angels, preparatory gospel, uh, sanct being sanctified by the spirit unto the renewing of their bodies, enlightenment, signs. And regardless today of what Barbara and Sharon tell you, I, I will argue, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my foot down and argue that these blessings apply to both men and women. I'm going to say it. You have We're, nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think that's I true. couldn't agree more. Neither could I don't think <laughs> no. the prophet agrees yeah. and the first presidency. We've heard that many, many times. That was a joke. Yeah, yeah. All the blessings that a man receives from the priesthood, a woman receives as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of one of the major points that we wanted to take away from here yeah, today, thank right? You. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can reflect on that. To, to whom do these blessings apply? We said to men and women. What do they look like in our life? Uh, what exactly do these things mean? Um, maybe we can just start a discussion there. What do you think? Sharon, do you want to start us off? It helps me a lot when we talk about priesthood. Priesthood is a really loaded word, and it means a lot of different things. And sometimes we use it in shorthand in the church. To, sometimes we say, thank you to the priesthood for blessing the, the sacrament, which, you know, even President Nelson has told us we, we should be a little bit more careful about that. But for me, priesthood means the blessings of the priesthood. It means the authority of the priesthood. There are people who hold priesthood keys. The priesthood is the power of godliness that we receive through the ordinances. There's a lot under that umbrella that have to do with both men and women. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really exciting time in the church because President Nelson, President Oaks, President Ballard, President Eyring, they're trying really hard to help us unpack that so that we don't make mistakes and just think that it's black and white. Some people have priesthood and other people don't. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's really difficult for us if we look at it in that terms. And this is helpful to be able to say these blessings of the priesthood, everybody has access to. How have you experienced priesthood power in your life, specifically as you've ministered in your calling and in your daily life? Hmm, that's a really good question. I was really moved when President Nelson uh, gave that talk, Spiritual Treasures, it was in the women's session. I'm sitting on the stand, you know, from being in the General Relief Study Presidency. So I'm sitting behind him. And I was so emotional that I, I had to wipe my face during the prayer because I knew the lights were going to come back on and people were going to see me. And I was emotional because he was talking about the, the priesthood power that we all have access to. And he's speaking to women. And he said, you study 107. You study 84. He challenged us to do that. And I've, I'm guilty in my life of saying, now, those, those are priesthood sections. Those don't have anything to do with me. And he's saying they have everything to do with you. And he said, you won't, there's no manual for this. You're going to be taught by the Holy Ghost. So I really took that challenge to heart, and I've been studying these sections. That's why I'm so glad to come here. I have really felt the power. If I have access to priesthood power through my covenants, what do I do with that power? What am I supposed to do? I, I thought about that question for weeks, and then it was just like lightning. You do what priesthood power is for. You bless other people. You minister. The power of ministering to other people is you using the power of the priesthood from your covenants. So I learned that this year from President Nelson, and, and uh, it, it's been a real blessing to me, opening my eyes, even though I'm in the General Relief Society presidency. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience in bringing it to Section 84. He, he, I took that, that challenge, that invitation of the prophet to the test, and one of the questions I had was, what is this power? 
like, what does this priesthood power look like? What, what priesthood power do I want and can I have? And I had kind of a, a moment, which is so obvious as well. And I, I realized the priesthood power we want is all the power necessary for the salvation of the souls of the children of men. It's all power. So whatever power we need to make that happen, that's the power we need. That's the power we're looking for. That's the power we're trying to be stretched for. And it's the same power that both women and men have. It's God's power. And the whole purpose of the priesthood is for the salvation of God's children. I think uh, possessing this power, or I don't know if wielding it is the right way, or just being a part of it, participating in it, it involves a process of transformation, which is to say we're becoming more like God, and because we're becoming more like God, uh, we can exercise the power that, that he has and, and act in his name. And as, as I reflect on what it means to know God and some of the blessings I've received from the priesthood, I'm always reminded, and I've told this story before, of a, of a blessing I one time gave to a man in the hospital. And I went to this blessing with uh, anticipating that I was gonna you know, bless him, you know, health, essentially. You know, you're gonna feel better, you get fast recovery. And as I laid my hand on his head, I just remember being able to see his heart, to see him through God's eyes and to love him with God's heart and to really just see this man as a child of God, as God sees him. And the blessing was just, I got a, the blessing had nothing to do with his physical body, just had to do, God is aware of your family's situation. He's going to bless them. It was all about his desires that his family be blessed. Uh, and it was in that experience, I really knew what it was like to, and I hope it's not sacrilegious, but I knew what it was like to be like God to see somebody that way and to feel what God feels for that person. And this is the miracle of the priesthood, I think. It, it binds us with God and it allows us to act in his name and to bless other people, like to really use the power of God to bless other people. And it's such a powerful thing, I think. Dan, I think that's important because in the ordinance of that blessing that you were giving him, mm. the power of being like God mm -hmm. was manifest both to you and to him. Yeah. And I think anytime we participate in an ordinance, that power of godliness, of being like God comes mm. to us. So I was talking to Leilani and Kate and Brandon, and all of you have limited use to rec temple recommends, right? So have you gone to the temple and done any uh, work for your family? Has anyone done a family name? Okay, Leilani, Kate, okay, Brandon, you all have. How did you feel when you were baptized for somebody who was in your family? How did you feel, Brandon? So I just felt like I know I was doing the right thing for someone in my own family, blessing someone that couldn't do it for themselves. And so I'm helping them also to get back to God. So you're on the covenant path. You're feeling that connection with your family and you're helping them do something they couldn't. What about you, Kate? How did you feel? I felt good that I was like helping like my own family. So you're connected to that person even though they've been dead a long time. How about you, Leilani? How did you feel? I felt peace. Peace, peace is one of the ways that I feel the Holy Ghost. I really felt that. So although you weren't exercising a, a, you know, from priesthood office, although Brandon is a teacher and has priesthood office, you were doing covenantal work in the temple with that priesthood power that flows from doing an ordinance for somebody in your family. And I think that's a really good example of what we're talking about. Thanks for sharing those topics and thanks for being in the temple to do those things. So speaking of questions, we have a, a, a video question from a viewer at home. Hey everyone, my question is about the Lord's Priesthood Organization. I know that men and women have different abilities. Women can, for example, give birth and men cannot, and men can hold the priesthood and women cannot. But I feel like those are false equivalences. One of them is spiritual and one of them is physical. So my question is, I know that priesthood is the power and authority of God given for the salvation and blessing of all men and women and children. 
But what happens when something like COVID happens and there are single mothers who cannot access the priesthood or women who don't have any worthy men in their life, then why can't worthy women hold the priesthood? That is such a great question. Sharon, I know I, you want to start us off. I know you're you're smiling about it and happy. I, this is going to be a fun discussion, I think. Well, I appreciate Julia's question because I've had that question and I wasn't smart enough to think it when I was 15. So <laughs> thank you for that. But I think all of us at different times have had those kinds of questions. It's To me, it's a false parallel, as Julia said, to equate motherhood and priesthood. We, we sometimes do that in our culture, but they aren't really the same. Motherhood is incredible, but it's not the same as priesthood. The, the parallel to motherhood is fatherhood, and fatherhood has beautiful priesthood responsibilities, as does being those parents. You have responsibilities because of your marriage and, and authorized to bring life to God. I am impressed that Joseph Smith, when he taught about priesthood to both brethren and sisters, he always quoted Corinthians that said, neither is, is, you know, you can't say, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you, and the hands. In other words, the whole body is needed, and we're talking about the, the body of the church is needed with all the different yes, gifts. absolutely. We do hear the brethren have a couple of quotes where they talk about women and motherhood and priesthood, but it's not in the context, if you're careful and watching it, mm. it's not always in the context of women having children and men holding the priesthood. Very rarely, if ever, do we hear it that way. What they say is just like a woman cannot have a child without a man, a man cannot have the fully perform his priesthood functions without a woman. That's different. You have to have a man and a woman to enter into the fullness of the priesthood. No man enters into the fullness of the priesthood without a wife. It doesn't happen. It's impossible. No woman can have a child without a man. So we have to be careful when we're listening to this. He's not saying giving birth is equivalent to holding the priesthood. He's talking about, they're talking about a different paradigm. So I have a question. If I have a sick child, is there a significant difference between me laying my hands on that child and blessing him by the power of the priesthood? Or my wife offering a prayer of faith that he'll be healed or recover. You want me to take a stab at that? <laughs> when I listened to President Nelson, and he said, and this has to do with Julia's question, you're never, you never don't have access to the priesthood. As long as you're righteous and you can pray with the prayer of faith, you have access to the priesthood of God. You can never say, I, I, I'm cut off from the priesthood. I don't have the priesthood in my home because it flows from your covenants. I think the difference that you asked is the privilege is yours. You have the privilege of using your priesthood office to bless that child. But if you weren't there and your wife prayed, mm -hmm. I don't. The, the Lord isn't going to say, nope, nope she doesn't have a priesthood office, <laughs> yeah. not blessing your child. And I think that's important to remember because the example this young woman gave is, uh, you know, during the, the pandemic, if a, a single mother can't have a priesthood holder in her home or something like that, the Lord's not going to punish her because of that. You're talking about putting, putting your hands on somebody's head. That is someone who is ordained to a priesthood office that allows him as an elder to do that. Both women and men enter the temple, make, make and keep sacred covenants, come home from the temple endowed with priesthood power and authority. So a woman who has gone to the temple and made those covenants comes home and there is priesthood power in her home. And one of the things that we know is the law of compensation, right? If a, if, if a woman is in a situation where she is not allowed or she cannot partake of the sacrament for whatever reason, and she's a righteous woman trying to keep her covenants or, or a family, the Lord is not going to say to her, well, since you haven't taken a sacrament this week, you're not forgiven and you don't have the spirit. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. This is not the God of love and God of understanding that we know. She has the law of compensation in her life. If a woman does not have a priesthood holder in her home, but she is righteous, she will be blessed with all the blessings that she needs because of her obedience and because of her faith. It's hard to not have someone who holds the priest in your home to perform that function sometimes. 
we need to also be careful that we don't minimize those who are struggling or those who are alone and those who have these great desires. These are real trials for people. And I'm single myself. And during the pandemic, when we weren't going to church, it was, I didn't take the sacrament. There were, were weeks that went by when I couldn't. But when I had the opportunity to have my brother come and bless the sacrament, or I heard my father, which I've never heard him bless the sacrament yeah. before, it was really meaningful and special to me. And I'm, I'm really energized by the idea that we need each other. Yes. It's set up so that there are gaps. And I apply to my brother or my father who holds that office and can help me. And they apply to me for things that I can do for them. It's set up so that we need each other. And I think that bonds us together. Absolutely. And that interdependence too, I mean, just speaking personally, it helps the fact that I want to be the kind of man that my wife can rely on to give a blessing to our sick child. Like that's, that helps me to be the kind of person I want to be, that interdependence. And I, I'm sure it works both ways. The idea that we need to be worthy to be conduits to, to God's power and we have to rely on each other. And that's why this kind of idea of body of Christ and the head needing the, the hand and, like and whatnot. But. And, and regardless of marital status, I, mm. I think about the many times yeah. that I had, you know, to call upon a young man who was, who was also single and how grateful I was for it, a home teacher or someone who was able to come and perform a priesthood function in some way. Yeah. I, I think I, it, the, the priesthood not only allows us to, to access and use God's power, but it also invites us to become the kind of people that, that can worthily have God's power. Yeah, invites us and enables us. So yeah, what are you, yeah. You know? I often think about it the way you said, mm. it, it's as if we're following that example of Jesus in the council in heaven who, who stood up and said, here am I, send me, I'll be the one. And when you hold a priesthood office, you essentially stand up and say, here am I, I'll, I'll volunteer to be the, you know, the, the bishop or, or the elders quorum president and not be paid and help people move and help people with their problems. And it's not like it's you know, these accolades that come washing right. over you, but here <laughs> am I, send me. Yeah. And that makes us like the savior. So this has been a great discussion about the blessings of the priesthood. Let's talk now a little bit about, uh, more specifically about some language in Doctrine and Covenants 84, specifically this idea of the oath and covenant of the priesthood. And we have a video from a viewer at home about this. Hi, I'm Amanda. I'm from Eureka, Montana. And I had a question about the Oath and the Covenant. Um, I wondered about the importance of why it's broken up into two parts, one being the Oath and one being the Covenant, instead of it just being the same thing. So when we're specifically talking about the Oath and Covenant of the Priesthood, we are looking at section 84 verses 33 through, through 44. That's typically what is known as the Oath and Covenant of the Priesthood. And it's important to understand, she's asking about these two different parts, the Oath and the Covenant. And for us to understand that God is the one who, is, who has the oath, or another word for the oath would be a guarantee. And basically what he's saying is, I'm making an oath with you, or I'm guaranteeing you that I will give you all the power and all the blessings that are necessary for you if you keep, make and keep these covenants. So the blessings and the power is going to be determined upon our faithfulness and our ability to make and keep these covenants with God. One question I have, I mean, it seems like part of the oath and covenant of the priesthood, as you were saying, is kind of keeping, obeying the words that come out of the mouth of God with the anticipation that he's gonna promise you for your, he's gonna bless you for your obedience. We see here in verse 33, for whoso is faithful unto the obtaining of these two priesthoods of which I have spoken and the magnifying of their calling. What does that mean, magnifying of calling? And we've talked about how priesthood can be a more capacious versus a more uh, kind of specific thing for, um, the, to which men are ordained. Who magnifies callings? What does that look like in the priesthood? That's a good question. What do you think? 
so traditionally, I, I've understood it to mean just kind of consecrating your, your time and talents and all the power you have in, uh, to, to building the kingdom in whatever way you can and remaining worthy to do so if you're not called upon to do so in a specific um, uh, way. Yeah, so I guess my larger question is, I've always understood this as pertaining primarily to, to myself being ordained to a priesthood office. Does it mean something more to that? I'm really uh, interested in how many times Moses and Aaron are referred to in this section. Mm-hmm. And I think about Moses, you know, he, he went to Egypt and he got the children of Israel out of slavery and he brought them back to the mount where, where God was. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his desire was that they could have the same experience he did, so that they could worship God face to face and have that calling and be called Israel. Mm-hmm. But they weren't ready. They still had slavery in their hearts and they, they made the golden calf and they, they had all these issues. And finally they said, Moses, you do it. You be the one to speak for God and, and we don't want to. So it, Moses never was able to make that kingdom of priests that he, he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But he comes back in the Kirtland Temple to Joseph Smith and he gives him the keys of the gathering of Israel. And then this is what we're doing in our time. We have 200 plus temples and we have, I don't know, say a million people who hold these recommends. And when Joseph founded the Relief Society, he said, I want to make of you a kingdom of priests. And I think, why did he say that to the Relief Society? But it's about the temple because anybody who enters the temple mm. enters those covenants. We become that kingdom of kings and queens, priests and priestesses, and our calling is to gather anybody who will worship Jehovah out from the world and and call them before he comes. And it's really the fulfillment of what Moses tried to do all those centuries before. And I really like that he's mentioned so much in this oath and covenant of the priesthood, which I think has to do more broadly than just a priesthood ordination, but for men and women to be those those kings and queens to, to call people to God. In fact, we can't become an elect people unless we have each other. Yeah, so all, of, all of these blessings, the Abrahamic covenant, the seed, all of these things require us to work together as men and women, all of them. And, and I make an important point, I think as well, this doesn't mean that you have to be married in order to receive these blessings. When we enter the temple, we are making covenants with God and we are receiving those blessings associated with our temple. Joseph Smith, when he had the temple built in Nauvoo, he actually said, go to and build this temple and there you will find the fullness of this priesthood. Mm-hmm. So the fullness of the priesthood he's referring to is built in the temple and that's this. But it is powerful. And if we read these things today, these blessings are incredible. I mean, and he that receiveth my father receiveth my father's kingdom. Therefore, all that my father hath shall be given unto him. Could we ask for anything more to have our heavenly parents giving us everything they have? To me, it's, it's mind boggling. I mean, it's just this upward building relationship. Before we finish up, uh, one or two comments. What have you been thinking through this? Maybe what kind of commitments are you gonna make in your life? What are your, what are your thoughts? What do you think? It's such a gift to be able to um, sit and have this conversation about the priesthood. I think it's something that a lot of women in the church, like we've talked about, don't fully understand. And I think I'm one of those people, but I, my commitment leaving here is I want to learn as much as I can. I just want to yes. eat it all up. And um, I think it's so really been beneficial, and it is for the single women of the church to have a perspective of a single woman who has gone through these things and kind of gets it. You get, you know, you get where the single women of the church are at. And so I think I'm just really grateful for the perspective and I'm grateful for how I feel so inspired to do something about it and to learn and to just 
go at it and just do it just like you have. So thank you. Sydney's my seatmate. We sat together. You know, we're pals. We're friends. <laughs> yes. I was just thinking about the people, some of the people that I met in the audience. So I met Daniel. I met Eliza. I met Hannah. You have names, probably others of you too, that are, are scriptural names of people who understood this power of God. So you're representing Hannah from the Old Testament and Eliza R. Snow. You can't get a woman more devoted than that. And Daniel, who who's got, he was a refugee and he braved the lion's den and he became a great counselor to the king and he interpreted dreams. I believe those gifts are still among us today and we can use them through our understanding of the priesthood and it will bless the whole world. And that's really our call. Sharon, we can't thank you enough for your insights, your, your understanding, the experiences that you've shared as well, and, and helping us to dive into Section 84. We'd like to thank you also as well, those of you in our audience. We appreciate your thoughts, your comments, your questions, your insights, your testimonies. Thank you so much for sharing and being with us. And to those of you at home, thanks for sending us your comments and questions uh, via social media. We hope you can join us sometime in the studio, but if not, we hope you'll tune in next week for Come Follow Up. Thanks. Thanks so much. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.